Oh, your voices sound good, Kairos. I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Um, I want to talk to you tonight for nine minutes about advocates and adversaries. I have a singer, songwriter, pastor friend who says it this way. Advocates and adversaries. One will fight for you. One will fight with you. One will lift you up. One will trip you up. One will never let you go. One will never let you leave. Advocates and adversaries. Thanks last week for letting me be out. And we had a wonderful advocate named Jonathan Pitts, executive pastor from Church of the City, come and advocate for you and with us by sharing his love, his loss, his life, and God's words. And I'm so glad that he was here, and he is a dear friend of us, and he has honored us with his presence. Um, I'm grateful for him and grateful for the opportunity for him to speak into our series, Attacking Anxiety. And so tonight, what I kind of like to do is wrap up that series and intro a new one, and we're going to do that around the table of the Lord. So tonight's Eucharist. That's a fancy Greek word for thanksgiving or grace. It's the Lord's Supper or communion. Boggs was reminding us we do this in a monthly rhythm for a couple of reasons. One, Jesus said so. So that's good enough. If you want some more reasons, I got some. Um, as a pastor, one of the things I want to make sure of as a congregation, our hearts are little idol-making factories. And sometimes it's real easy for us to start to worship certain styles of worship or covet certain styles of communication. And what we're here for is the body and blood of Jesus to pull it way back and let him take center stage. And he is both our sermon and our song tonight. And so that's why we're doing that. Um, and then as far as wrapping up the series on attacking anxiety, the series is over, but the conversation is going to continue. I've gotten lots of emails, conversations, even a handwritten letter from people saying, thank you so much for naming it and taking away the shame and the guilt and the isolation around those of us who deal with anxiety and pointing us to Jesus. I was reading in Psalm 127, and it said this, In vain, early you rise up, late you go to rest, eating the anxious bread of toil. Did the psalmist capture it for you? He did for me. I know what it's like when I start eating the anxious bread of toil. You and I, we have advocates and we have adversaries. And sometimes they can be the same person at different times. There are people who are for us. There are people who are against us. You have adversaries out there, and they want to force feed you the anxious bread of toil. They want to make sure you got the empty carbs of anxiety. They want to make sure you got that refined flour of fixating on everything I do not have. They want to cram down your throats an addictive, sugary substitute that is false intimacy and a false identity. But I don't know about you. I want some more advocates in my life. Advocates who say, put down that stale, dry, crusty bread of anxious toil and come forward with two hands out in a posture of receiving and let the bread of life be put in your hands because we serve a Jesus who wants to fuel us and feed us in order that we flourish 
and identity and purpose. So tomorrow starts Ash Wednesday. Ah, what's wrong with you, liturgist? Um, for those of you who didn't grow up in that tradition like me, um, uh, inexorably curious. Um, and I've fallen in love with the church calendar. Ash Wednesday marks Lent, a series. By the way, it's the oldest church calendar observance that we have dated. And it is usually 40 days of preparation to get to Easter. Now, rather than just waking up on Good Friday and going, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Jesus died. And then we're going to celebrate it on Sunday. We're going to actually start 40 days out and walk through the sorrow and sadness of Jesus because it's meant to parallel his 40 days of fasting and praying in the wilderness so that we can prepare our hearts for the satisfaction of Easter. And so one of the ways that the Bible has told us that you can do that is ashes and fasting as a way to remember your own mortality. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. And fasting is a way to make room for the Lord, not just from food, but from distractions and going, I want to remove some things in my life so that you can move into that empty space. And it's also a time for us to remember to resurrect a certain practice called repentance. And so that's why we celebrate Lent, and that is the journey that we're going to take ourselves on over the next six weeks. But I warn you, do not come on this journey with us unless you have a high Christology. Fancy word, you're welcome. It means Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and what he has done to defeat Satan, the power of hell, and sin itself has to be really, really high if you're going to get really, really low in your sin and depravity. Because it's not a threat, it's actually a pathway for his grace and his mercy to increase. So that's why we're coming to the body and blood of Jesus tonight. It's because we're not afraid of sin and we're not afraid of sinners. We're coming to the body and blood because that substitutionary atonement is revolutionary. We're coming to the body and blood tonight because we have adversaries, but we also have an advocate. So make sure as we lean into this, you listen to the fact that there is both adversaries and advocates. And the reason you have those is because there is one of each. You have an adversary. Newsflash, his name is Satan. The Bible tells us he is the father of lies. He masquerades as an angel of light. He is pictured as a lion prowling around, seeking to kill, destroy, and devour everything good that God has created, especially his sons and daughters. Only he's made one fatal mistake. He's forgotten what we're going to remember tonight that there is an advocate who is not afraid of the adversary. And his name is Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the good shepherd who goes before us and makes a way. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, of which every other lion is going to bow down in his pride and respect him and show the honor due his name. He is the great high priest who is not unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way that we were tempted and yet remain sinless. He is the original sin killer who enables us to be killing sin. So that's where we're going for the next six weeks. We're going to start killing sin because it's our birthright as sons and daughters of God. And we're going to name them. 
We're not going to let them brush them in the corner. We're not going to ignore them. We're going to name the sins that have been devouring, destroying our community and our loved ones. And we're going to ask the gospel of Jesus Christ to resurrect in its place life-giving purpose, compassion, and purity. So that's where we're headed. And I'd like to invite you to come along on that journey with us if you're willing. And our anchor verse will simply be this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin become sin for us so that we might be called the righteousness of God. How about you say that after me? I am the righteousness of God. Let's try it one more time like you believe it, because right now the adversary is screaming at you. You're not worthy. That's not true. It applies to everyone else but you. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Uh-oh. This is what happens when God's people start to believe God's words. And then we take back the territory that originally belonged to us, that Satan has been squatting in, and it's time to serve him in an eviction notice. So we're going to come to the table. We're going to do it with reverence, but we're going to do it without reservation. And we are going to be the children of God, allowing the hand of God to feed us. Why? Because you have an advocate, and he has defeated the adversary. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask my wife, Audrey, to come up and prepare our hearts by leading us through our liturgy. So as she walks us through that, would you prepare your hearts and your minds? These are a series of prayers and prompts we like to do to make sure our heads, our hearts, and our hands are in the right space. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Let us pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of thy name. Amen. 
On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and we had given thanks to you, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. how this will work. We practice open communion here, which simply means this. If you're a follower of Jesus and you meant the words of that confession, you are welcome at his table. Um, you can come up. Keep helping me. I'm better when I'm with you. Uh, once you come forward, uh, there will be a wafer and Audrey will take it out, put it in your hands. Just put both your hands out like this and she'll say the bread of life um, or the body of Christ. Now, one of the things that we do when we receive it is we lock eyes with who's ever serving us to be fully present. And the response that you say is, I will love and be loved. We'll put it on the screen because I know that's a lot of pressure to remember. It's surprising how many times I forget it sometimes. Uh, but that's our way of repeating our covenant vows to Jesus. Those of you who've been with us before, you know that Jesus is using wedding language as he's instituting a new covenant. And so we're coming to the table to renew our vows. Um, and it's also a way that we've just summarized the great commandments. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I will love my neighbor as myself. I will love and be loved. So then you'll come to the cup, hang on to your wafer, um, and you'll dip it in. And I'll say, the cup of salvation or the blood of Christ. You'll dip it in and say, I will love and be loved. And you can go ahead and eat it. You don't have to drip it all the way back to your seat. You can practice that right here. We're in no rush. The family's coming to the table and I ask you to do it with reverence, but without reservation because the cross has made you worthy and holy. And sometimes reverence looks like smiling. Sometimes it looks like laughing. Sometimes it's crying, sometimes it's singing, but we will come with reverence and without reservation. So in just a second, I'm gonna raise my hand up like this. And that means those of you who are in the bleachers, you get to come first because Jesus really, really loved it when he got those who were far away and invited them to come first to the table. Those of you who are down here, you get to wait because you're close and Jesus taught us to serve those of us who are closest to him. So are we ready? We'll come when you're ready, please. <laughs> 